back to another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, the directors, the actors, the voice actors, the cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, editors, composers, uh, yeah. Film editors, sound editors, sound mixers, you name it, we talk to them. And we've been doing a heck of a lot of talking this year, I can tell you that. Um, we've only got, what do we have, four more shows? Uh, yes, only four more shows after today uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, Pam's looking at the calendar. Because we won't have a show the, uh, the day after Thanksgiving weekend, nor... Uh, December 26th so yes she had to check she's in she's in the booth looking at the calendar now yes we only so we only have four more shows this year can you believe it no she's ignoring me now she <laughs> but we've got a good show coming up for you today because joining us we're, we're diving into some chilling and thrilling and bloody horror today. Uh, Nikki McElroy, actor, co-writer, and producer, will be joining us shortly to talk about Shady Grove. And then at the midpoint of the show, Zach Kep, first feature, writer-director, will be on hand to talk about The Willow Brook, which is real, it's chilling. Uh, Shady Grove, it's actually, it's blood, gore, and it's got some really interesting themes happening. But the Willowbrook, it is just chilling uh, as you watch it. And most, and a lot of that is due to an amazing performance uh, from Jessica Bishop. And uh, we're going to talk to Zach all about that uh, later on in the show. But, hey guys. It happened. Season 5 premiere, Yellowstone, last night. Who watched it? I know Twitter was ablaze for the East Coast and West Coast. Um, live tweeting dur uh, during the 2 hour and 23 minute uh, dual episode premiere. It's a big one, people. Now, granted, I was just telling Pam before the show, she is not. I, this is an embarrassment, but my engineer Pam is not. A Yellowstone devotee. I, I, I know some of you, Lori Twitchell, I know you're out there shaking your head to hear this. Uh, but it is true. Uh, so I was briefly trying to give her a catch up uh, as to where as to where we picked up. But anybody who hasn't seen the show yet, and it aired three times consecutively all throughout the night. And it was actually airing not just on Paramount Network, but on TV Land and a couple other MTV-owned properties or Paramount-owned properties. So that was really interesting. But it did air three times consecutively. So it was essentially six, you know, six, seven, seven and a half hours of Yellowstone. Uh, and boy, oh boy, it was going to be tough to, to top the season four premiere which was 14 minutes of explosive nonstop action. I still maintain that was the best. Last November, that was the best 14 minutes of television that we've had on the air in a good 5 to 10 years. Um, so that was going to be tough for Taylor, Taylor Sheridan to compete with. But he gave us a lot to unpack uh, in the opening of the show. Took us back in time to Rip and Beth, and we all love seeing the younger Rip and Beth. Um, Josh Lucas was back, so we had a flashback to the young John Dutton, Kevin Costner. And I have to say, casting Josh Lucas as the young Kevin Costner, brilliant, brilliant casting. But uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happening, and it's set up perfectly um, for not such good stuff to happen to the Duttons this year. 
So it's going to be great to see what happens. And if you're watching right now on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook feed, you will see my tablescape. Uh, and you will see my early Christmas gift to myself, Yellowstone Monopoly. I have unpacked it. I have not played it yet. I may be taking it to the backstage to play with some of the guys at the bar. Uh, but it is very, very cool. And I just had to bring it and display it for all of you today. So if you're looking for a great Christmas present for someone, a Yellowstone fan, or for yourself, just go to the Yellowstone TV shop. And that, along with tons of Yellowstone merchandise, including, folks, there is now Yellowstone bourbon. I did not know that. I don't drink bourbon. But there is Yellowstone bourbon for anybody who needs to know that. So, next week, more Yellowstone on Sunday. I'll catch you up in the morning uh, right here on Adrenaline Radio. But right now, I'm very excited to welcome the fabulous Nikki McElroy to the show. Hi, Nikki. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm so happy to get to speak with you today. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Shady Grove, I love this film. Thank you so much. I'm glad, I'm glad someone likes it. <laughs> I, I definitely... Yeah, I, I love to hear that. We put a lot of love and a lot of time into that film. And I could tell that this is your baby. Because not only do you, do you really act is. in it, you star in it, your character of Shana, but you are the mm-hmm. co-writer and you're a boots-on-the-ground producer. Correct. All of the above. You are correct. <laughs> and, you know, that really comes through when you start looking at the details in the film, I could tell mm-hmm. that you had a lot of care invested in this uh, because of little things like jiggling faucets and mm-hmm. the attention paid to, you know, combination locks on a pantry door, um, mm-hmm. things like that. And you also give us some really, I have to say, I'm saying it right now, and then I'm going to let you tell everybody what the film was about. But within the first 20 minutes of the film, we've got our three main principals. They're at a cabin in the woods. Uh, They're away from everybody. And they get a fire going in the fire pit for s'mores in daylight in the afternoon. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. You actually start a horror film where things start happening in daylight. This is, hey, we only have a day for everything to happen. <laughs> that's it. You have lights on in the house, in the cabin. We have, we, things start happening in daylight. We get into the third act. We are still in a well-lighted facility, shall we say. This mm-hmm. is something we don't see, Nikki. As you well know, in most horror yeah. films... The lights are out, people are fumbling around, and you're sitting at home or in the theater watching going, turn on the light! Um, <laughs> you took care- And what I love about Shana's character, too, she, she understands from the beginning that this isn't right and I want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is something we don't see. And that excited me so much. <laughs> we actually I'm have so people... i you noticed. Um, <laughs> We have the lights on. And it's like you're walking into a room, and yes, you're going to turn the light on if it's not already on. <laughs> uh, you know, we're looking for the light switch. You know, we go into the pantry. <laughs> when we get in the pantry, we're reaching on the wall. We're looking for a light switch. <laughs> and turning uh, on the light. And turning on the light. This was is such a novel concept. Uh, you can hear my excitement o- <laughs> over this in the film. Because now this is what normal people would do. And that's what we try to do, stay real. And it's kind of funny with, um, with Shady Grove, it started out a fantastical. And so then we changed it to being set in actual reality. We wanted to bring as much realness that we could in that situation. Well, I can easily see with this how you started with fantastical and then rejiggered it and morphed into reality. Because you, you do have a very fantastical 
horror element to this um, that's actually steeped in mythology. Yes. Uh, so talk to me. Tell everybody what the film is about. Of course, we don't do spoilers here, as, as uh-huh. I'm sure you know. <laughs> um, no spoilers from us. So tell everybody what the film is about and where this idea came from. Because of the elements you have, you've got a uniqueness to this tale. Yeah, so the film came from uh, uh, Nate and I have been writing together for like the last 10 years. And he, um, he was, he's actually a child of two, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, sorry, I'm brain fighting, um, two researchers. So they do a lot of botanist work okay. and they're always out in the woods. And so with all of the films that we have, a lot of crime thrillers, thrillers, other horrors as well. Um, he said, what are we, you know, we're like, what are we doing next? And he's like, I've always wanted to do something in the woods. So then we started looking into, you know, fantastical stuff and we found ourselves falling into Greek mythology, found the Thesmophoria, which is the, um, the uh, fertility, you know, the women would go off for three days. Um, no one really knew what they did out there, but one thing that they would do is they would bury a pig and they would exhume it the following year, and that was supposed to help with the fertilization of the women as well as the crops. And so we were like, oh, well, this is interesting. And so we ended up in a rabbit hole of Greek mythology and these women of the Thesmophoria. And we're like, well, okay, so now what if we took these women who were back then, you know, they were, they were blamed if the, if the fertility if, or if the crops weren't growing. And what if we took them and put them in today's present world? And how would these women that are blamed for things like, you know, fertilization, um, how would they handle men? in this world. And so the story is about three friends, um, Shana, Mark, and um, Eli. And Mark and Eli, or Mark and Shana need to tell Eli that their party lives are over. And now they're, you know, and their lives are, they're about to have a baby. Yep. We can, that's not so much a spoiler. No, right? that's not. <laughs> they're about to have a baby and they find themselves in this town of women. And they happen to all be very beautiful. <laughs> Yes, I, that and they are. They're all blonde, and you know. But for the sheriff, it's a female sheriff, um, mm-hmm. and she's got brown and hair. And who is actually um, a deaf actress as well? And yes, I wanted to bring that up about Becky Hayes, who plays the sheriff. Mm-hmm. Becky is an outstanding actor, um, and Amazing. she is one of the actors working in the deaf community. Um, she had cochlear implants, and I love how this is incorporated into her character as the sheriff. Um, yes, and it's funny, it didn't start like that to, to begin with. Um, we planned for Shady Grove to be, uh, we have about five different ones, uh, series planned out for this. And so I wanted to go into the next one. My grandfather was deaf. And so I wanted to go to the next one and actually bring in um, deaf character, uh, you know, one deaf character, a little girl for the next one. Next thing you know, um, Becky's auditioning and she mentions, which I didn't notice at first. I'm like, what is that? You know, what's that on her head? Like, because she never turned to the side. And then she at the end of her audition, she says, oh, I could take off my cochlear implants if you'd like. Oh, my mind just like blew. I was like, oh, my gosh, she got the job. <laughs> And you know, watching her, listening to her, you would have no, you would have no idea. Never, never. Mm-hmm. She's done so much work with her speech and the accent that a lot of people in the deaf community have. Um, I didn't, I couldn't tell. No, I absolutely could not tell. And but one thing I love about Becky is that her face is so expressive. You've got some great <laughs> yeah. scenes there. Your director, Dale, um, does an amazing job. And we've got a lot of through the car window scenes by the time we get into the third act. And her face is so expressive. And as she gets this really a smile that is almost the kind you describe as curling, um, Mm -hmm. a very sinister kind of smile. And she does it so precisely and so methodically. And I think a lot of that comes from being deaf before her cochlear Mm -hmm. implants. Um, Mm -hmm. So you get very expressive with your movement. You you learn to control it, to use it, your face, your mouth, your eyes. Mm -hmm. She is 
fantastic. I wish we had seen more of Becky's character in the film, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah. Because she's such a strong element, and there's ambiguity about her, about the sheriff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so, I was so blessed to get, find her or get her. I'm so glad she auditioned for us. It just fit perfectly. It was a perfect piece to our puzzle. I, I, she's fabulous. Fabulous. But, you know, I've got to, I want to go back to the character of Shana uh, and Mark and Eli. Mark is played by Todd Anthony. Eli is Johan Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He's your comic <laughs> relief for the, in the film. You know, we always need comic Absolutely. relief. The character of Eli is it. Uh, he is, Johan is, he's a scream. He is hilarious. Johan and I, yes, Johanna, Johan has a great um, comedy background. We, we met when I first moved to L.A. about 14 years ago because we used to do a lot of those parodies for YouTube together. Oh, okay. So we, I, I, I used to do a lot of the comedy side. And so, yeah, it was, when, as I was writing it, I was like, okay, Jahan has this role. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I can't pick, imagine. I think the closest person I could imagine in that role might have been Orlando Jones probably 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the age difference. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like a Kevin Hart, he would have been like too, too over the top. Mm-hmm. But no, Juhan is just, he's hilarious as Eli. And then Todd Anthony as Mark, you know, he brings a nice, you know, a little bit of distinction, a little I'll bit go of, with the flow. a little bit of maturity. Of course, the mm-hmm. one with the brains here is Shayna. There's just, she's the one with the brains. Because if it's left up yeah. to the guys, just, or we're not, screwed. Mark is just very laid back. He, you know, he, Shana kind of, you know, wears the pants in their relationship. Obviously, she's the one driving on this long journey, her Jeep. And um, so he, he's pretty, you know, open for anything. And as things are getting crazy, of course, he tries to be her voice of reason. Like, you know, we just stay. It's not that big of a deal. You know. <laughs> no, we're going to leave. <laughs> and, you know, and I smell something. See, that would drive me crazy. If I walk into a place... Well, remember, she's pregnant, too. Yes. So she's smelling everything. Yes, it's very heightened. But that mm-hmm. would drive me insane. And if I could pinpoint kind of the direction it's coming from, such as a mm-hmm. pantry or something, oh, I would have been taking an axe and breaking that lock off. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. But, no, it's like you have a locked pantry. I would want to get into that pantry to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, you already, you're suspect of, you know, the faucet. you got to jiggle the faucet. No, oh, it's tasty water. Well, yeah, well water is very tasty water. Uh, <laughs> you know, we used to have that, you know, my grandmother had that at her house in, New Jer- in South Jersey. Um, be- uh-huh. And it was very tasty water. So... <laughs> But you add all these great little elements in here. And you're set by the water, which is great. You embrace... Lots of little nuggets. Lots of little nuggets. Um, where did you shoot this? We shot in Glens Bay, New York. About um, Since you said you're from Jersey, I'm pretty sure you know where it's from. So it's like right on the cusp of um, Jersey and New York. Yep. About two hours from the, um, from the New Jersey airport. Oh, from Newark. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, because I'm looking at the foliage, and I can always tell looking, you know, when something is East Coast. And that mm-hmm, particular And all of New Jersey has some very distinct foliage. And it's because of the sandy soil uh, throughout the state. Okay. Uh, so... I love the location that you picked. Now, did you and Dale, your director, did you guys have to have to set dress um, the cabin? Did it come like that for you? It came like that. We got so wow. lucky on that location because we had a different location to start with. It fell through. Um, last minute, I'm on um, 
on one of the <laughs> kind of funny, ironic to the movie, but I'm on a, um, a rental, a share rental looking for houses. And we got the, the property owner is amazing. He owned three houses on the property. So we got all three of them. He's one is an office, one is the kitchen and our main one as the main house. I, it, it was came out wow. way better than it would have been at our original location. So how everything works out and all these nuggets and all these things that you do when making a movie, it's it's fun to see how it all ends up playing out, even though when you go in, you see it kind of differently. But the way it came out, we were so excited. And this is your first feature that's been made, your first feature screenplay that's been made. Yes. The first one. The first <laughs> one. And this is this is a darn good one to have it be the first one. Thank you. I got to tell you. I say you. the same thing. Obviously, there's always something that you might want to do yeah. different and, like, shots you might not have gotten. But I'm like, for my first film? Oh, my gosh. I am pretty excited about this. Now, how involved, <laughs> as producer, how involved were you working with Dale in terms of bringing in your DP, Jason Cowan? Uh, than your editor because the editing is always so crucial at building tension but you start with the images that you have on screen and Jason mm -hmm. does a beautiful job with the visual Jason grammar especially since that is, there's not a lot of room to navigate in that cabin mm -mm. especially the bathroom Jason did fantastic with what with what he was asked to do um, and Jason is um, Dale's DP they work on a lot of music videos together mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, Jason's eye, anything that we needed, he was able to make happen. Mm -hmm. Now, were you sitting, you know, during the editing process, were you in there with Dale? Were you guys, you know, was your editor, was George editing as you shot? Wait till everything yep. was. So he was editing while you shot. Oh, no, no, no. no. He wasn't editing. While... No, no, no. We had an assistant editor get just do some daily so we could see okay. what we had. But for the most part, no, we, we got to see everything there. And yes, I was there every day. We had five days of editing with um, George. First, George did a, a rough, um, you know, a rough cut sure. when we sent him the footage the, uh, that the assistant editor sent to him. And then um, when we got, when we sat down, I was there all five days, 10 hour days. Every, wow. Definitely a part of the edit. You know, because of the fact that you are co-writer, with Nathan Dalton on this, but you are also one of the three principal leads in this film. Actually, you know, Eli kind of disappears at one point, and it's just you, it's Shana and Mark who were there. How precious were you with the words on the page that you had written before you, shooting started? We were pretty precious with it because we can't miss any of those nuggets. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of the like a lot of the things we said would come up again, would yes. come full circle. So we would need to. There's a lot of stuff on there that we needed to say. So there's things that maybe um, other people didn't catch. Maybe other actors were to have to jump in and say, "No, no, no, you actually have to say that." <laughs> yeah. Now I wondered because it is. The, I picked up on quite a few things that are said in the first act that are said mm -hmm. up until the point of the fire pit and s'more making. And mm -hmm. then something picks up on that later on. Yep. So you lay, you give us the breadcrumbs so beautifully. And that's why I was curious, you know, how closely you followed uh, the script. And I'm glad to hear that, yes, it was very deliberate. So you did. Yes. You know, what was the most challenging aspect of bringing this film to life? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm like making a movie is moving is just challenging altogether. Um, <laughs> I think the most challenging is I think us being out in the middle of nowhere. That was kind of difficult. Um, our our hotel was about 20 minutes from set, so we got very lucky with um, okay. Gr uh, the resorts at Catskills was amazing. Gave us a wonderful price for our indie. Cause we had to house everybody. No one could drive two hours home. Um, we're driving, we're having late night shoots. Um, one of our people hit a deer on the way in. It was, oh. I think that was the most challenging, just being in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Now, I have to ask this. Did you have internet reception? Bare, no. Okay. <laughs> so people would be getting lost on the way to the house. And so we, like, so we, some days we'd be late. Lunch was late because no one could find the house because there was no reception. 
You know, and I had to ask that because last week um, I played my interview uh, I did with Molly Elfman. And Molly and I have been mm-hmm. friends for 17, 18 years. And her first feature just came out, Next Exit, that she wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. And it was a road trip. And this was one of the problems she encountered in the middle of America. <laughs> uh, there was no Internet at, at some of the yeah. uh, some of the motels that they were staying at. Or there was limit, uh-huh. or there was limited internet. But when so many people needed to get on, then it just crashed it. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so like it's funny because when we got when we first arrived um, to do our scout, it happened to be the first day of that big storm. You know, the one that flooded New York um, subways. That oh scary, yes, scary one. That's what we landed in. Oh my gosh! And um, we took we um, the Dale had a jeep, so we drove the jeep for two hours in this dangerous storm. We felt like we were gonna die. Like we hydroplaned a couple times. Oh my god! Um, just so we had to get to the location because um, the homeowner was gonna let us stay at the house, you know, so we could scout and you know get the leg of the leg of the land, the lay of the land, and um, we couldn't find them. It was black. It was pitch black outside. We landed. There was no rental cars we can get because <gasps> all of the rental cars were gone. Gone because uh, the storm. Uh, it was. It was just insane. We had to drive probably another thirty minutes away from the house after we thought we were close because our GPS wasn't working to get the guy at the house on the phone to, so we could write down hand directions and drive five miles an hour so we can actually see signs. And then he said, "In about twenty minutes, I'm gonna stand outside and wave my flashlight." We're like, oh, we're set. We're in our own horror movie already. We don't even need to write anything. <laughs> oh my God! Well, you know, the forested areas anywhere in New Jersey. Number one, cell reception can suck pretty bad. <laughs> but number mm-hmm. two, there aren't tons of streetlights, and when it's dark, it's dark. It's dark. You know, forget about the high beams on the car. They're not going to help you. Nothing helps. Nothing helps. Especially in pouring rain. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, now, did this give you fuel for fodder for another script? (laughs) Uh, No, it didn't. But I do know that, like, um, we'll probably pick a different location when we we do part two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I want to see. You have this set up perfectly for a sequel. You do know that. Oh, absolutely. We did that perfectly. You know, I I got to, I would be remiss not to ask you about uh, the women in the town. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you've got Victoria Baldessara, Jackie Ritz. They're standouts. They're blonde. You had a couple other women. They're blonde. How difficult was it? Jackie is our our redhead. We had a a little redhead there, too. (laughs) I just, you know, was it challenging to find, because you also needed women that, look like, you know, like Greek muses or would belong in a community together. Uh, Was that challenging to cast? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, Because we had to get people out there. And being two hours out, that, you know, that took a lot of the day for us to have a driver. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I was the driver as well for most of the days. (laughs) Of course you were. To drive back to the the airport to pick people up the two hours and then the two hours back. Um, we had to fly him in. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. You went above and beyond. So let's see. So now on your resume, <laughs> we're going to have actor, writer, driver, producer, stunt. driver. <laughs> and were you doing your own stunts? Because you have a couple physical things happening here. Yeah, that was me. That was you. Okay. <laughs> stunt woman. Okay. Your, your resume is getting bigger and bigger as we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been in this industry for over 20 years. Yeah, you've been around. I've probably done every category. I was like, I also helped with makeup with some of the FX. <laughs> so um, we ha- I've, I've had my time in the industry where I've really learned pretty much every department so I can assist where I needed to. But don't get me wrong, my key, my key positions were fantastic. And wherever, I, almost everyone wore multiple hats where we can all jump in in anybody's department if they needed extra hands. Ooh, that was a great thing. We built, we really built a family there. So I've got to ask you, you know, because you have, you're not a newbie. You've been in the business for a while. 
everything is now coming together with you as a filmmaker in addition to being an actor and of course a driver now too you know um you know go get your iatc card for that you know you can always you know double bill on a film um but i'm really i'm curious for you what is the gift about filmmaking about acting what is the gift it gives you that keeps you going and putting one foot in front of the other day after day, year after year? I'm very determined, and I'm very determined to tell stories and keep people entertained. Um, and that, I think that's just pretty much it. Like, you, you know, everyone knows this industry is a difficult one, yep. and I realize it is the industry for me. I like telling stories, and I like putting my, my art on screen. I like even if I'm just acting in somebody else's uh, movie, I like building that character and just, you know, just sharing that gift. Well, you certainly shared your gift with Shady Grove. I got news for you, Nikki. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I real, I'm going to watch it again because I had so much fun watching it. Um, and everybody can see it now. It's available now uh, on digital. Uh, it's yes, internet, internet, and cable. Uh, oh, I haven't checked my spectrum lately to see what's on demand. Yeah, it'll be spectrum. Uh, yes. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take a look. Uh, I always try. I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to even look and see what Spectrum added uh, this past week to their VOD. But oh, that's so good mm -hmm. to know. But yeah, I know it's on digital. But oh. I can't wait to see what you do, what you do next in terms of filmmaking as a producer, as a writer. Thank you, Debbie. I really appreciate uh, that. I, I, obviously, we all in this industry, we all love support <laughs> and hearing good things. No, I am so impressed, so impressed with this film, Nikki. That, and I want, I want a sequel. I want to see more from you. Thank you so much. Oh. And thank you for having me on today, too. Nikki, this has been so wonderful. I hope you'll come back on the show again. I absolutely will. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm going to throw you off and talk to another first-time writer-director about... Thank you again for having me. Thank you, Nikki. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. And that was Nikki McElroy, actor, co-writer, producer... Shady Grove, available now. It is well worth a watch, folks. Well worth a watch. And now, ah, ah, the wonderful Zach Kapp is joining us. Hi, Zach. Hello. How are you all? Well, I'm very happy to be speaking with you. Um, you gave me some real chills and thrills with the Willow Brook. Oh, that means so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch. Zach, I didn't know what to expect. I had seen the trailers, and it was really interesting. And I'm seeing Jessica Bishop, and she kept reminding me of Jessica Chastain. Uh, yes, I love that. And, you know, I was really intrigued by the trailer. Then get in, I start watching the film, and I'm like, oh, my God. Um, wow, you have crafted, right. uh, you have crafted this wonderful blend of social media, internet influencers with a chilling horror aspect with mental illness and plain old, not even treatable mental illness, but just a, a, a psycho nut. Um, exactly. and exactly some very interesting characters uh, and you dig into these ideas of manipulation uh, even some torture uh, uh, there's a lot of subtext happening here in the Willow Brook just very well done and, and something that you do that I found so interesting is that with the dark themes that are happening here you keep your visual tonal bandwidth and the visuals themselves light and bright. So it's a direct contrast and almost to the point of overexposing it in some instances. So it really heightens the, the edginess 
the uncomfortableness of the story that we're watching unfold. Really well done, Zach. Gosh, thank you so much. I, when I was told that we would be doing an interview, I looked up, looked you up more and everything. I was like, oh, I, I, I hope she likes it. And I'm so glad to hear. I'm so glad to hear you did. You know, we're so lucky to even have made that movie to, you know, the, the fact that that movie saw the, the light of day under our conditions and resources during COVID. It was supposed to be this little COVID movie and it, uh, it kind of got a life of its own. And I'm very, very grateful to be in this situation now. And Lacey, funny enough, is my wife. And it was oh wow, just a very, yeah. And we even ended up going back to that venue for our wedding this last uh, June. Okay, so that, that that that's a bit much. I do have to say <laughs> that location, that house, that that mansion, it's beautiful. I mean, there's so much that you could work with from a visual standpoint in there, in terms of dutching the camera, making use of wide spaces, the upstairs, downstairs, the the overhangs, really. And you made use of everything, which I really liked. The camera covers every inch of these rooms. And you also give us very unique camera angles uh, that work really well. Some are bed level. You know, the camera, uh, you know, when you've got people laying on a bed, they're bed level. You're not dutching up and down. You're just eye level at the bed where they are. And others are, you know, you've got make great use of dutching. And then something that I just always love, and you worked with your with your editor, Beth Gordon, um, superimpositions and dissolves. I am such a huge fan of those. It's almost a lost art anymore. A lot of new filmmakers, independent filmmakers, they've forgotten the beauty that can be achieved with those superimpositions and dissolves. And you really nailed it here beautifully. Thank you. Thank you so much. That it goes so far with me. You know, we, that location, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, is there an echo by the way on your guys' end? No, we we're, you sound fine here going out over the air. Perfect. So yeah, that, that location what happened was I went back to my hometown in Iowa during, uh, during in January of, and that, this last one was the one before, and I went back for a writing assignment. I'd been working as a writer and uh, probably for, yeah, for the last, I think I got into the Guild a few years ago, but I was driving past the Oakwood Inn Bed and Breakfast. That's our main location, and I've always wanted to shoot there, and I pulled in and I, I knew the owners and we were just talking and they were like, well, next month, you know, February, we're completely, we're completely empty. And I just, we can't, we agreed on a price and I pulled out of the parking lot and I said, okay, in 30 days, I'm making something here. And <laughs> that from script to principal photography was a little over a month, I guess. Wow. Oh my gosh! Thank you. Thank you. That was it. Was one of my. It's what I'm most proud of. Uh, I would be if I were you. That is amazing, Zach. Amazing. And the other amazing thing, and filmmakers out there will really appreciate this. You shot in the winter, but it wasn't just winter. There was snow everywhere. It was. It was the coldest winter I believe Iowa had in over 50 years oh, during the two-week span that we shot happened to have been oh, that time. So we had, we had cam, you know, cameras freezing up. It was, like I said in the beginning of the interview, it was a miracle that we even completed this movie. Well, and you just mentioned something very, very key that, uh, that filmmakers often forget is the the rigors uh, of weather on equipment 
Um, you, know, you, you know, cameras freeze up, batteries freeze up. Uh, depending on what you're shooting with, you can have lens issues. I've spoken with filmmakers before they've been, sandstorms have come up when they're shooting in Africa. And that will totally decimate your cameras if you don't have them housed properly and sealed. Um, I've spoken with other filmmakers who have directed in, you know, the middle of winter in Alaska uh, and in northern Canada. Yeah, you think you had cold in Iowa? <laughs> yeah, no yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but these are things that really, I think they make you a better filmmaker when you're faced Absolutely. with these issues and you have to figure out how to overcome those challenges and still keep your project on track. And you very clearly have done that. Um, and you did it with... You, Thank you. This wasn't just one or two people in a cast either. You had... Your basic principles, you had Jessica, who played Lacey, Aaron Day, who plays Jordan, who comes in. She is our introduction to Lacey and the Willowbrook. Lawrence Hughes, who plays Ace, Jordan's BFF, and who brings her. We've got Chris Boudreaux, who plays Lacey's, I don't know what we call him, boyfriend? Yeah. Bouncer? Something like that. Yeah. Um, Christian Olivo is Adam, who is, talk about high energy, um, playing Adam, who's slightly nutty, um, yeah. you know, very, um, probably ADHD, obsessive compulsive, and he just wants to be a drummer. And then That's Mark, right. and then Mark Sudak as Sid, what an interesting character he is. Talk they, were, they were so fun when I was, like I told you, we were, I had to write the script so quickly and I tried to give myself as much freedom as I could within the confines of our limited resources. But when I was writing Adam, I started to almost get like this pit in my stomach where I'm, I'm like this character, he's, he's, walk, he's walking off the page, but how am I going to find an actor to do this? And uh, my my wife Jess, she knew of a, a Christian through a class, an acting class, long ago. And originally in the script, I had a different musical instrument and aspiration. But when we were talking, uh, he he told me he had an affinity for not just playing the drums, but he liked playing drums on any object he could find. It was the easiest rewrite that has i mean you're talking like i just swapped a few lines you know just replaced an instrument and it elevated this idea in my mind beyond my wildest dreams so it was and same with same with mar i mean those those two brothers together were i just didn't know if they existed in my limited amount of time and i got i got very lucky with those two you sure did. Um, but that's one of the great things with this film. And I don't know if it's because you had your back to the wall, you were behind the eight ball, and you had to get this script done. You had to get it cast so that you could start shooting uh, in a month's time. But these are such, all of them are such interesting characters. There's something about each of them. Uh, some, uh, you know, there's something quirky that is endearing that draws you right. in. And the uh, Christian and Mar, their performances are just outstanding. Uh, they're the total antithesis of each other uh, with the characters of Adam and Sid. But there is something about each of them that just draws you in, that endears them to you. And similarly, as we're watching, you know, Aaron as Jordan, um, because she really, she's our eyes into the place. She and Ace are our initial eyes into the place. And then Jessica just goes off the rails as Lacey. I, you know, I'm, yes, she does. you know, I, her face must have hurt at the end of shooting each day from smiling, over smiling so, so much. 
to it was almost like cultish. You felt uh-huh. very culture cultish. Like Jim Jones or even okay, I hate to say it, but Tony Robbins. Um Mm-hmm. But this is the vibe that you get watching Jessica's performance as Lacey. Uh, just I'm, uh, each one so unforgettable. I, I don't. Amazing to hear. I don't Thank know. You so how, much. I don't know how you did it, Zach. I don't know how you did it. You know, let start with the script. Where did the idea for this script arise? Um, we all know how dark social media is. We all know how bad rely, you know, falling into the trap of influencers is. We see it happen time and time again. But to see you bring it all together here under this overexposed veil of lightness is so cool. That, it's so cool. I appreciate that. We The idea came from, there was someone very dear to me in my life who was in that space as a life coach. And although that person was one of the good ones, I couldn't help but start to look into that person's field a little bit and take on the atmosphere of how this person made their living. And in doing so, I came across a lot of people that I was very skeptical about in the sense that, you know, there's no barrier to entry in this space. And then when yeah. it's combined with what social media does to us, it's, it's the elixir for someone to lose their individual power. If they're not going to think for themselves, everyone on social media, let's say has this, we put the image that we want people to feel that we, that we actually live. And then when that's combined with the health and wellness space, the, it's the, it's almost a, it's like this curated funnel, let's say for a character like Lacey, where the algorithms work in her favor as they essentially feed her people to pray, to pray on Mm -hmm. and to, abuse their vulnerability and that's really what was like the impetus to this film it's you know we all hit low points in our lives where we maybe question our our existence and how we're living and sometimes we want to just flip the keys over to someone else and just say you just tell me what to do clearly what you're doing is the right thing and i just think there's something so it's so sacred when you just toss the keys over and stop thinking for yourself in some capacity. So I'm a huge proponent of therapy and bettering myself. And, you know, this movie's certainly not to discourage others from that, but I guess my only hope in writing that script and making that movie was that maybe people can understand that we're all, we're all a mess. And you just, you have to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's what we tried to accomplish here. A very cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. A very cautionary tale. Now, how did you go about developing your visuals, that visual tonal bandwidth? And, you know, the choices you made for the visuals. Because this really is, it's lovely to look at. As I said, the superimpositions are fabulous. And the way you use them as transitions with past and present um, is really well done. But it's keeping that whole light, bright whiteness to everything. Uh, With the pale yellow of the walls in the foyer uh, of this mansion. Uh, with the white woodwork trim. Uh, Everything is so light. The only real color that we see, we have Jordan who's obsessed with black, and we have Lacey who is obsessed with bright, 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 Max Factor Red 1940s lipstick uh, and wears, you know, either vibrant red or, uh, you know, virginal white. Uh, Right. Just 
everything comes together. Now, this required thought, Zach. So talk to me about how you came, developed this visual look, this visual tonal bandwidth. Yeah, it's so we only had a we had a six foot dolly slide and and a and a pair of sticks and mm-hmm. we also had access to this crane of sorts, but not like a film crane, but an actual construction crane. Okay. And we we had a our our DP who was fresh fresh out of film school. He's very talented. Um, we just worked together and it's one of those things that's very hard to explain because I had known this location for most of my life growing up in that hometown and I just I just saw the movie that way so like when I wrote it I just it just worked I don't I don't know how else to explain it It was kind of one of those maybe like you were saying back against the wall type Mm -hmm. situations where with it's almost like that cooking show chopped, you know, it's like all the ingredients <laughs> we had happened to have been the the meal that we wanted to make. <laughs> and that doesn't happen so too often. Really... No, it doesn't. And I'm very aware of that. And, you know, we had things fall apart during and we just kept leaning into this colorful visual style. And we really just tried to set a, we just tried to set a vibe. Now, because we, you, you were working with we did 200. a two hundred. No, I was going to say sorry, be, be, because you were working with a brand new um, DP, just fresh out of school, you know, and because you did have your back against the wall while you were writing, were you shot listing? Did you try storyboarding anything? What was that process for the two of you? You know, it, there was no storyboarding. We didn't have the time. It was, we were very collaborative. He's insanely talented. Um, we would, basically the night before each day, we had our we had our setups planned. And since we only had literally a couple pieces of equipment um, mm-hmm. and we were in this contained setting, it was... It was a day by day thing, and on on my next movie that I have going, being able to storyboard and get my shot list and things of this nature, it's it's just a whole different world than I guess what we had there. We were really just we were really just making calculated hip shots every day, and it just it, it just knitted together. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, amazing. Now, you also have here your score. Sean Schaefer Hennessy. At what point did you did you consider the scoring for this? The the kind of music and undercurrent that you would want? Not until I was editing with Beth and she was also a producer on the project and she knew of she knew of Sean. Mm-hmm. And we got in touch, and that was that was another just serendipitous collaboration where he got what we were going for. He was beyond lovely to work with. He's an A plus soul of a human, and he just he he got he got what we were going for, and he started adding in his, and the movie really started to come to life with that score. Mm-hmm. No, I I like the score. It is not overpowering. And something that's very important, it does not lead us. You know, so often you can be watching a film and the score is pretty much telling you, all right, this is how you're supposed to feel. That's not what we get here. And I really appreciate that. And that's exactly what he got. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. Uh, But this also begs the question, of working with Beth and, and editing, this moves at a clip. You really, you don't, what I find interesting is typically with a film like this, you would expect things to be held and drawn out. But here, the film moves. 
And I found that interesting, but it works really well because of the surreptitious nature of things that are going on in the house that have to be done behind Lacey's back. Or, okay, well, she's recording one of her messages for her followers, and she's only going to be tied up for 15 minutes, so we've got 15 minutes to do this. And you really feel the urgency, um, the urgency and the fear in Adam, in Sid, in Jordan, as to, the, you know, the deeper we get into the film, the more that urgency takes shape. And the film captures that. The editing f- captures that. And I really enjoyed seeing that and feeling that. Cannot say thank you enough, Debbie. I'm gonna I'm gonna be sending you a Christmas card at the very <laughs> least. <laughs> now, because it's so difficult to find the proper pace for a film, a thriller like this, um, because this is not a straight this is not a, a straight up horror. Um, no, like the earlier film, uh, I had Nikki uh, McElroy on talking Shady Grove. That's a, a straight up horror film. Uh, this. It's a psychological thriller. And you can hold things too long. You can speed them up too much. But here, because of the visual tone that you have and that somewhat overexposed nature and all the white and the snow and the purity, uh, the metaphor that's happening, um, the fact that you didn't just sit there and let the camera just sit on something... um, makes it feel fresh and we do get that urgency i still wonder like when i when i went into this and when i was seeing the movie as i was writing it it the tone was so odd to me because i wanted to make it was like a slow burn that moved quickly Mm -hmm. i didn't know quite how to i didn't know how to quite explain it and i was nervous putting together the production after the script was done. And that what you see there is whatever we want to call that is what we were going for. And it was us definitely keeping this TikTok social media generation and the, uh, the time span now with so much content mm-hmm. that's out there. We, you know, people's, we, we don't have, we don't have a long attention span. You know, we're not very right. forgiving right now with, with content and I somehow wanted to achieve almost what felt like a slow burn, but we, we didn't waste any time. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's perfectly paced and I think that really comes across the immediacy, the immediacy of what Jordan and Ace and Adam and Sid have to do uh, and a few others along the way. That immediacy and then that's countered by Lacey. Lacey takes her good old time to make sure her hair is right, the little ring light is right, as she's sitting there, you know, with a stick up her back so she has perfect posture uh, to speak to her followers, to her minions. Um, She takes all the time in the world. But then everybody else, you feel their urgency. And it's a great balance. It really works, Zach. Thank you. It, it Making really... my day, Debbie. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you doing for a follow-up to the Willowbrook? So, we have a... We're shooting in Los Angeles, and I'm doing another contained, but this one... This one is... It's a straight thriller, and it's this young woman. She ends up getting this gig to house sit for a celebrity and in the Hollywood Hills and in doing so uh, she starts to become obsessed with this temporary lifestyle. And it so happens when the celebrity's away, she gets in this accident, ends up in a coma and the young woman's fantasy get, becomes a reality when she gains fame by pretending to be the celebrity's best friend and confidant. So it's very much a, a revenge thriller set in uh, the Hollywood Hills. And we're shooting in 
late January, early February. Oh, very. You mean you're giving yourself more than 30 days to get ready for it? <laughs> I, I am. And, you know, it feels so different having a <laughs> having a script and our location and a team and it's I'm so excited the Willowbrook will always be just its own special gem in my heart and with this next movie I feel I get to fairly say here here's my work as a filmmaker and uh think of it what you will and I'm very excited for that because, you know, the script of the Willow broke and we had, we had a B story fall out because, because of weather. And unfortunately an actor had, had gotten booked and long story short, we, we were really making things work the best we could. And now that we have, have more than a month, um, we're very protected in terms of being able to put out the movie that, I feel I, I'm really excited to show the world. Well, I, for one, can't wait to see it. After seeing The Willowbrook, I'm very anxious to see what you do as a follow-up, Zach. Thank you. It's going to be visual and colorful, and it's, I can hardly breathe when I think about it. Oh, well, no, keep breathing. Keep breathing. You <laughs> okay. need to keep breathing. Deal. You know, otherwise somebody else is going to write a film about you not breathing as a filmmaker. I, you know, you know, yeah, right. oh, Zach, so this has been so wonderful getting to speak with you today about the Willowbrook. Unfortunately, we're all out of time for the show, as usual with me. Um, I hope you'll come back on the show again. I will come back anytime you want, okay, and expect <laughs> that Christmas card. <laughs> I'll look for that card. But in the meantime, everybody can see the Willowbrook. It is available now on digital. That's right. It's on TVOD for at least a few months. So it's kind of it's on the you know Apple TV, the uh, iTunes Prime, Google Play, everywhere where you can everywhere you can purchase digitally. All the usual suspects. That's right. And it's well worth, you know, with the holidays coming up, people are taking time off. Kids are going to be out of school, you know, some year-end vacations. You got Thanksgiving weekend in a couple weeks. You want to see something new, something fresh? The Willowbrook is one of the things that people should check out. That's right. I really like it. Zach, thank you (laughs) so, so much. Thank you, Debbie. I'm a big fan, and we will be in touch, okay? Well, I hope so. And you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you again, and take care, all right? You too, Zach. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Zach Kep talking about the Willowbrook. It's available right now digitally. Shady Grove is available right now digitally and on VOD. And I'm going to go home and check out Spectrum just to see if, it, if they really do have it. Um, but that is all the time we have today. I'll be back next week. Um, next week, we're going to have a director, a filmmaker, calling in from overseas. I see Pam's face right now. Is this going to work or isn't it? Well... We think it's going to. So we're going to have a director calling in from overseas in Europe to talk about a documentary called Calendar Girls. So until then, okay, scroll around. If you haven't seen the Yellowstone Season 5 premiere, check it out, people. Check it out. Uh, and uh, I'll be back next Monday to talk more about Yellowstone, and we'll talk about Calendar Girls. And also... I have to tell you, two films you really should take a look at. Father and Son, Dueling Films. Milo Gibson stars in Manifest West, written and directed by his brother Louis, both of whom are the sons of Mel Gibson. Mel has his own film out right now, On the Line, directed by Ramad Bollinger. Uh, 
My interviews with Milo and with Ramald are up right now on BehindTheLensOnline.net. Check them out. But two really great movies, Nail Biters, especially Mel's movie, On the Line. That, and it's got twists and turns in there that will blow your mind. Manifest West, this is really a tour de force for Milo in his performance. Louis does a heck of a job. Uh, with the script, with directing, um, both of them available now. You could do a night, a night with the Gibsons. Watch both of them. So, there's my pitch for the week. Until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. <laughs>